The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to the Rebel Podcast. P Nate, Elder P, Garage Mahal, Wetsy on the sound and the knobs and the dials and all that stuff. How you doing today, Nate? I'm doing great. We are back in Garage Mahal. Uh, we were just starting before this episode. We were just saying how many questions we get about where Garage Mahal is. Yep. And we do not disclose <laughs> the exact location of Garage Mahal. But just know that it's somewhere safe, somewhere secure, <laughs> in an undisclosed location. And it's glorious. It is glorious. And it's Garage also... Mahal is real, and it's spectacular. <laughs> Great Seinfeld reference, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Um, it's basically the Fortress of Solitude for Dave. That's right. Like, this is where he comes to be have peace from me and you. It's great. Yeah, except sometimes we show up and disturb his peace, but <laughs> well, th- th- we are still in the like. He will record the first five episodes with us, and we just never stop coming. So <laughs> one day he's going to kick us well, out. Yeah, one day we'll come and it's locked. But <laughs> for now, <laughs> he still opens the door to us. You feeling um, better? You feeling I'm feeling. Better? Yeah, I'm feeling you much had a cold better. For like a month. Yeah, it um, did seem that way. It was just the uh, the never ending cold. I'm breathing uh, cleanly. I'm feeling good. Uh, so that's good. We are the Rebels. We're part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast network. We are happy to be a part of that network. You should download the app. That's where you can get the most content. Honestly, the content coming out of the, the network is just phenomenal. Uh, from the Canadian side, you got Aaron Rock and you got the guys over the Ezra Institute. Great stuff. And uh, obviously on the American side, the cross politic guys have been doing this for a long time. Theology podcast, AD, there's lots of good stuff. So uh, check it out. Download the app. I, I know uh, the guys just got out of YouTube jail. The cross politic guys just got out of YouTube jail not that long ago. So if you don't want the stuff that you're listening to, that you the content that you anticipate to get canceled, to get stopped, go download the app because that's where it's definitely going to come out. Yeah, they got out of YouTube jail as the courts in Moscow try to put their kids in jail yeah, for sticker, sticker gate. gate. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. It's ridiculous. I've been thinking about buying those stickers and just put them on the cars. Up in Canada, we have these stickers, like these bumper stickers that are like, we the fringe. Yeah, for um, the trucker convoy stuff. Exactly. Because like, uh, Trudeau called us a, a fringe minority movement. and with, then With unacceptable views. <laughs> yeah, uh, but right. I was thinking about getting some of those like hammer and sickle ones that says like, we enforce because we care or whatever the the slogan is I was like, cause like that's good, but like nobody up here would really know unless they know. And, th- and those and people they know. would really know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you don't know unless you know, but when you know, you know, you very much that's know, right. which is great. So there's a bunch of stuff that we wanted to talk about. So yesterday at church, actually, uh, one of the, uh, the young pastors that we're training up, uh, had an opportunity to preach and he preached on the fear of God, did a great sermon. And it kind of got Chris and I chatting, and uh, as always, we like to just really do our homework, really, you know, do our research, and uh, decide what we're going to talk about during the drive over to Garage Mall. <laughs> but we think deeply for those few minutes. Yeah, that 20-minute prep time, which, like, let's be honest, like, 
is 10 minutes that we actually talk about this is so, very important. But we, we got talking about this and, and what we, what we kind of want to talk about is just uh, this idea of the fear of God. Not that we're going to rehash uh, Aaron's sermon, but the conversation that it kind of got us to was, I think, uh, maybe a helpful conversation for a lot of people and where they're at. It kind of started because we were talking about the sermon and what a great job Aaron did. And uh, I know he's a listener, so, you know, Aaron, you did a great job. But then you started talking about monkeypox. And you're telling me about monkeypox, which I, I honestly, I don't, I don't read the news much anymore. I, I'm not even on social media as much as I used to be. So I was like, what's a monkeypox? So you were kind of filling me in a little bit, but apparently there's a new deadly disease that's going to kill us all. Have they done any models that show, you know, a third of the... Not that I've seen, but the initial reports is it kills one in 10 people in Africa when they, when the outbreaks happen. So that, that's um, almost the initial death report of COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so like it is apparently now spreading to all of the country, like countries in Europe. And so it's coming our way. And monkeypox has been around for a while, right? Like it's a variation of smallpox. Yeah. It's been in Africa. Yeah. Uh, the, first, the first case was 1958. Don't ask me how I know that, but that's the, that, your that mind works. Very, <laughs> trivial pursuit is a thing for me, but yeah, like, it, so it's been around for a very long time. But it's never been off the continent of Africa, no, it's, right? It's, it's like, it's honestly, it's a, like, it's, I don't mean this anyway. It's, it's a kind of a jungle disease, right? Because it, like it's transmitted from viral, from like monkeys get like, right. this. so when uh, it's happening, so it's a lot of like pockets of outbreaks and then the, the outbreak dies away, but now it's popping up. And the interesting part about it, I'm not trying to be super conspiracy theorist, but the interesting part about it is that the World Health Organization just did like a thing about a year ago where they tested it and they like did studies on like what would happen. And all of a sudden it's now it's breaking out. It's like, hmm, feels like we've been here before. Yeah, like, seriously. So I'm not a scientist, Chris, so I don't have any answers for it. <laughs> just kidding. We have the word of God. Here's what we want to talk about. There's always going to be another threat. And especially realistically speaking, we saw a government that seized as much power as they could during COVID. You have people, I mean, not even hiding it. You have the Klaus Schwab's of the world writing books saying like, don't waste a good disaster, right? Like actual books about how can we, right? The Great Reset is all about how can we use COVID to our advantage to seize more control. He doesn't put it that way, but they think they're doing good for the world. But the point here is, is like, we're always going to be living in a world where people are going to seize power. We're always going to be living in a world where there's going to be another danger. There's going to be another threat. There was an article not that long ago about a, a meteor that they were worried might make a collision with Earth. It turns out that it burnt up in the atmosphere and, and it hit somewhere in the ocean. And, you know, there was very little of it left by the time it, it landed. But, but it created the murder hornets, I think. Like. Oh, the murder. Yeah, well, and there's always going to be threats and there's always going to be things that are scary. Obviously, the overarching one that's been going on for a while is the climate change, climate disaster. We're still firm believers that some of the COVID protocols that were put in place are going to be used to, you know, mitigate the disaster of climate change at some point. So, you know, there's all this stuff going on. And it's interesting because I would say in the kind of circles that we run in and, you know, I, I don't know if you want to you know, red pill, blue pill, we call it like awake or, or whatever, that there are a bunch of people who kind of see that there's malevolent intent going on in the spot of world leadership. The government does not have your best interests at, at heart. There is nefarious intent. Yeah. But what that can sometimes do is actually lead to a different kind of fearfulness, right? So in our church, obviously, we stayed open during COVID and, and throughout the lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. 
And there really was a sentiment like we're not afraid of this virus. We trust God and, you know, we're going to be smart or whatever. But, you know, this worshiping God is is more important. There was also this sort of we're also not afraid of the repercussions of the government, right? We stayed open even though there's police presence and, you know, there were some fines that were laid down and we and we kept meeting and this kind of stuff. So it's like we're not afraid of that. We're not afraid of this. But sometimes that can lead to another sort of fear, and that is the fear of what's going on behind the scenes. How nefarious is the intention of this, uh, of our government officials, right? You, you think of like the World Economic Forum, and I'm not saying it's not something to be worried about. You know, Klaus Schwab, I think, is actually a really horrible human being, and I think that there's a lot of nefarious intent. But if that's leading to a different kind of fear, and that fear still has a grip on you, then you're still living in fear and all of those Bible verses that people like us use to say, keep meeting, keep churches open, keep, you know, being hospitable, keep doing the commands of the New Testament during COVID, don't be afraid of this virus. There's a way for you to be living in fear in a sinful way, even though you might not be afraid of those things, but you're afraid of something else. You probably don't even realize it's fear when you're thinking about like, exactly. there is wisdom in stewardship, right? Like the, and being awake, so to speak, in terms of what's going on, knowing which way the wind is blowing. Exactly. All that stuff, that's wisdom. And like some of that is, is right and proper and good. And we would encourage you guys continue to do that. But there is that, like you take that too far where it's all of a sudden like, and we've, we've often talked about the people who basically live for the rapture. We've said that like, where it's just like, I'm bunkering down. I'm, I'm hunkering down for the rest of my life. Um, because like Jesus is coming tomorrow. I have no impact on the community. And that's the same fear that we're seeing nowadays where it's like, I'm going to pull all my money out of the banks. I'm going to go completely off the grid. I'm going to do all these things where it's like, well, that is another outpouring of the fear that leads to a a place that we're not called to go because we're still called to be the light in the darkness. We're still called to be the ones who are influencing culture. We're still the ones that are meant to be doing all of of those things. And if you're bunkering down on on your farm where you're not going to see anybody except for the people you've invited in, well, what kind of witness are you having to the rest of the world now? All you're communicating is that you're actually afraid of the government, even if you're not afraid of COVID, you're afraid of the repercussions well, that they're coming to. And that's it. So like what the enemy wants, he wants a church that is not pushing back against his kingdom, right? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Gates are a defensive weapon, right? So the church, the Christian church is called to be offensive. We are called to go into the world, make disciples, go into the world, wage spiritual war, right? Release prisoners from darkness, conquer the world with the gospel. That's what Christians are called to do. And it's the gates of hell that we are prevailing against, that we're pushing against. So the enemy is happy whether he has you bunkered up in your home afraid of a virus or bunkered up in your home afraid that the government's coming for you, right? So either way, if at the end you are a recluse who is, you know, bunkered down and separated from the world, the enemy wins. And don't get me wrong, there is a difference. Like we are called to be in the world, but not of the world, which means that we our power is not derived from this world, right? We are our power is derived from another place, but we are called to be in the world. We are called to live here now, interacting with the world. Jeremiah 29, 11, which is everybody's favorite Bible verse, <laughs> everybody's life verse. I know the plans I have for you. But if you go down, God's actually speaking that to people who are in exile, right? Israelites who are in exile in Babylon. And what he goes on to say to them is he says, build homes in the city, 
He says, actually have your children intermarry with others. Don't decrease, increase. So go and marry, you know, people in the community and then bring them into, like, this is an opportunity for conversion of pagans, right? Like Israel has been brought to the nations. Now let's make those nations like Israel. It says build homes and and set down roots and all that kind of stuff. And it actually says, seek the peace or the shalom of the city and in its shalom you'll find your shalom so the the whole point there is the idea that you are not to be assimilated by the world but you are to be in the world in order to conquer it and so no matter what it is that you're afraid of that causes you to withdraw from the world it's an ungodly fear i think it's john 15 i'm correct if i'm wrong where jesus talks about that idea of like I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but that you leave them here and just and protect 17. them from the from the inner. Is that John 17? 17, yeah. 17. Yeah. This is why we should prepare a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but no, but the, the idea like there is that like we are meant to be here or else we would have been zapped to heaven when we first got saved. He's left us here for a purpose, and that purpose is to influence culture, which you can't do if you're you're bunkered down. Like So I, I actually really like that idea of you were saying about the gates of hell, the gates of the defensive won't prevail against the church. What does that imply? That the gate won't hold us back. That's right. We're going to push it over and go into the kingdom of darkness, right? right. Like, with and that's with a, light held high, yeah. right? Which is just another one of those verses that nobody thinks is post-millennial, but is very post-millennial when you actually <laughs> think about it. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. The gates of hell will not prevail because I'm going to take all of the Christians off the world, even though I prayed that they would not be taken from the world. But anyway, we don't need to get into a whole no, post-mill thing. But we do that enough. I think. We do that enough. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. And, and I mean, there's tons of verses. I just queued a, a couple of them up here. Isaiah 41, 10, fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with the punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Psalm 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. Joshua 1, 9, famous one, I have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for I am the Lord your God, I will be with you wherever you go. Proverbs 29, verse 25, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So the Bible, I mean, it goes on and on about how we fear. And this kind of comes back to the sermon that we heard on Sunday, where when you fear God, it actually casts out all other fear. We are meant to fear one thing, and that's God. And if you fear the one who's in control of all things, right, if you fear him and, you know, Jesus says, don't fear the one who can kill the body, but fear the one who can kill the body and the soul in hell. If you have a healthy fear of God, it actually casts out all other fear. The application of the fear of God is in Matthew 6, where Jesus says, so why are you anxious about tomorrow, right? Like, why are you worrying? God clothes the lilies of the field. He provides for the birds. You don't think that you're more important than that. He's going to take care of you. And the whole point there is if you fear God, then no matter what he brings to you, you have the faith that he's sovereign, so he's in control of all things, and he's good, which means he's using his sovereignty for your benefit. And if you believe those two things, you don't have to be afraid of the government. You don't have to be afraid of a virus. You don't have to be afraid of food shortages. You don't have to be afraid. And again, this doesn't mean we don't do due diligence, but it means that we do not live in a perpetual state of fear. And I think that some of the people sort of on our side of things, there's still fear in their heart. Remember what Jesus said. He says, adultery is actually just the outworking of lust in your heart, 
right? Murder is actually just the outworking of anger in your heart. And so if you haven't dealt with the fear that's in your heart, you might not be afraid of a virus, but you might be afraid of all kinds of other things because you haven't dealt with the actual fear in your heart. And the only thing that casts fear out of your heart is a proper fear of God. Amen. That's great. I think what you said was very wise. I think there's wisdom in the idea of like, we're not saying you have to be fearless. You just have to have the right fear. The proper, and the, right, fear. the proper fear, which is the fear of God, right? Right. Um, and so when you when you have that fear as the centerpiece of your life, like the Bible says that obviously the, big, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, yep. which would be to not fear the Lord is the beginning of stupidity, right? Like, <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, like to not do it is, is the opposite, right? So yep. having the right perspective, having the right fear, the right centership in terms of that doesn't mean that you're not going to fear, like you're not going to feel fear, but you're just able to overcome it because you trust in the sovereign God that he's brought these things about for a purpose, which is how I think you can see Christian soldier run into battle. It's not that he's not afraid of the fight. It's that he understands that there's a bigger, there's a greater fear. fear. There's a greater fear that controls this other fear. Bravery only exists when there is fear present. If you're like, if you're actually not afraid of anything, then you're not actually brave at all. Right? Right. There's no courage. We're told to be strong and courageous, which courage is like, well, we overcome the fear that is yeah. there, which is all those temporal fears because we actually fear the one that's actually in control. Absolutely. I can't remember who said it, but I think somebody said, you know, courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is doing the right thing even when you're afraid, right? And so that idea goes in line exactly with what you're saying. And I think for the same reason that we, you know, rebelled against authority, so to speak, right, is because there's a higher authority. Same thing. We're not afraid of lesser things to be afraid of because we are fearful. We have fear of the bigger thing, right? So in the same way that we are submitted to a higher authority, which makes lesser authorities less authoritative, (laughs) we have the right fear of the greatest thing, which means that the lesser things don't. So like, I just want to kind of flesh that out a bit because some of the things that I think I don't want to minimize. So for example, there would be a lot of people who would be concerned. So let's use that word. Lots of people who are concerned about, let's just say the trajectory of politics, right? We just had a conversation with Dave when we came in here about the upcoming election. So there's an upcoming provincial election here in Ontario. There's a few new parties, right? The new blue party and Ontario party. Personally, I'm supporting the Ontario party. I've got a lot of good reasons for that. We have a few new conservative options. And so we were just talking about the trajectory of politics and and it really is, it's a bit of a wasteland. There are some reasons to be hopeful, but if you just look at the political landscape, things are looking pretty bleak in, in old Canada these days and certainly here in Ontario. So we can have concern Similarly, like we've talked to lots of people at the church who, you know, they have concern about, you know, the inflation and is the money that I've been saving, is it going to be worth anything by the time I retire, all those kinds of things. Those are good concerns. We're not saying that things that aren't concerning should not change or alter your behavior. So yes, absolutely. Be wise with your money. Invest in things that won't be as uh, affected by inflation. Like we can be wise here without being fearful, right? So we can react to what's going on in the culture without necessarily being fearful. And I think part of what goes into that is being proactive as opposed to reactive. So when something happens, we don't react to it, right? So one thing that we're seeing right now is, you know, there's some censorship bills that have been passed in Canada, some some pretty scary stuff. We're actually seeing a whole lot of people cut bait and run. We did an episode a few, uh, I think probably a month ago now about don't flee, like stay and stand and fight. 
that's a reactionary response, right? Hey, this happened. These laws have been passed. We're out of here. We're going to cut bait and go. And again, not everybody's doing this, but we've seen a lot of people who they just want to get out. And so they kind of hastily make a decision. I've, I've talked to several people. I'm like, so what church are you going to plug into down there? Well, I'm not quite sure, right? That's reactive, right? So you don't even know you're leaving a, a supportive, tight-knit church community where you and your family have grown in the fear and wisdom of the Lord, and you're going to go and make a hasty decision to flee because you don't like the internet censorship bills or whatever. Similarly, right, there's a booming housing market. Oh, it's really hard to get land here. It's really hard to get houses here. And so, you know, I'm thinking about my kids. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get land where it's cheaper. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not saying that that might not be the wise decision, but when you make it in reaction to a booming, and we, ha we have some friends who are going out west, and like people were coming to Ontario from Alberta not that many years ago because of this exact same thing, because there was a, a price spike over in, in Calgary, and they're actually coming to Ontario to get farmland because they couldn't get it out in Alberta. So sometimes we can make hasty decisions in a reactionary way, and what that is is we're fearful we'll miss our opportunity. We're, we're fearful that we'll lose money. We're, we're fearful of what regulations will do to the free market. And so there's a way to be concerned that isn't fear driven. And I think a lot of that looks like being proactive as opposed to reactive. Yeah, absolutely. I think your point about people running away for bad reasons, they're showing the wrong fear, like to, to put an application, they're showing the wrong fear. They're, right. they're fearing what could happen here or the trajectory of politics or the trajectory of everything without probably having the proper fear about the, what's the greater commandment? Well, to raise your home in the fear and admonition of the Lord at a church that teaches that. So like the bigger fear would be to like, for me would be to go, going to a place where I don't have that in place already. I don't have the church family. I don't have the, that's right. Um, you know, accountability, the support of good elders. It's not that you're not fearing anything. You just misplace the fear into the wrong thing. Like, that's right. um, whereas for me, I'd be terrified to leave the security of, of a faithful church, especially in today's society where, oh, man. where yeah. we've, I can't speak for where everybody's listening from, but for an Ontario, there was like seven churches or something that stayed open out of like tens of thousands. For me, those are the churches that have the proper fear. They recognize the cost. Like everybody who's listening to this must know us well enough to know that like, we know what we risk to stay open, but we risked somebody who could destroy the body, but we weren't willing to risk somebody who could destroy the soul because there's a greater commandment, right? Yeah. And I think that like the the fleeing thing, it's nice that, nice how that tied back in has simply just like, that's just misplaced, misplaced fear. fear. Yeah. Um, now there's always like the caveats to all these things like, we're not saying you can't move away if you get a great job and like, you know, you're yeah, yeah. I'm like these things happen. But like we're talking about the people who are specifically leaving because it's just like I got to get out before it's too late. That's right. And it's like and, and, like, and that's no. the kind of fear. So it's interesting. I've even had some conversations with some people who would maybe disagree with us and, and where we land in terms of climate change and all that kind of stuff. The reason that I am not like, I, I think the whole climate, the science behind the climate stuff is just ridiculous. We don't have to get into that. We've done some episodes on it, go through the archives, find those things there. But what is it that we're trusting in? So I talked about an asteroid before. Whenever there's news about an asteroid taking out life on earth, I literally just shrug it off. There's no drop of hesitation. And it's because God promised not to destroy the earth again. Right. Like at the end of the day, it comes down to God promised that he wouldn't do it. And therefore, I trust that he won't do it. And trust me, there's a lot of nefarious intent when it comes to our political leaders. I do think Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and, and all that stuff is, is something to be concerned about. But why am I not worried about a sort of one world government taking over? 
because the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Like, that's not the story that the Bible is telling. The Bible tells the story of Christian victory. And so when I believe that Jesus is going to conquer the nations and that all kings shall bow down before him and all nations shall serve him, I'm trusting in the sovereignty of God. And and because I trust in the sovereignty of God, I'm not afraid of Klaus Schwab or the World Economic Forum or what they'll do to me. Now, don't get me wrong. Just because we're post-millennial does not mean that we don't believe that there are ebbs and flows. And we actually, and we might do a whole episode on this. We should do that. I do actually think we're heading for some hardship. I think we're heading for hard times. I'm, I'm raising my children thinking with the knowledge in mind that I truly believe that they'll be worshiping in underground churches here in Canada at some point in their lives, in their futures. Mm-hmm. My youngest son, Judah, wants to be a pastor. There's no doubt in my mind that if that's the path that God puts him on, if if he is meant for ministry, he will probably be ministering at underground churches here in Canada, risking jail time or worse for that commitment. I've made peace with that because I believe that that's where God's calling my family. And some people would even listen to that and say, oh, that's horrible. You should get your kids out. That's what good parenting is. I actually don't think it is. I I think good parenting is raising your children to do what God has called them to do. And if that means that they're called to be Dietrich Bonhoeffers or Perpetuas or Jim Elliott's who die for their faith, then that's the best thing that I can do for them. Yeah, I think that's great. I'll paraphrase it, but do you remember that missionary um, where they were getting married and he wrote the letter to the, to the father and the the letter was basically like, I'm, I'm taking your daughter on missions. This is back in the days where like, once you left the country, you're not coming back. And he's like, you will never see her again. She's likely to die on the mission field with me. Do I have your permission to marry? And the father was like, yes. Think about that. Like if you play that out, like we would, we all celebrate that story. Like, oh, what a, what a great testimony of a godly man understanding the mission of Christ and like a godly couple sacrificing counting the cost to go on missions. But what's really being said there is the father valued the kingdom growth and the goodness of the eternal kingdom of God above the safety and well-being of his daughter. Cause if he really was like, well, I don't want her to go on missions and die. I want to protect her. I'm, I want to do all these things. He would have said, no, you can't marry my daughter. She can find another suitor here, but he didn't. He said, yes, even though he knew it would cost him basically his family and it would cost her her life. You know what I mean? And they would never, this side of glory ever, to the best of our knowledge, is ever see each other. And maybe they had correspondence, who knows? But like, and all we're saying is like, you you need to raise your family with the right fear. Don't be afraid of like all of the other things. And don't get me wrong, we're both pro homeschool. We're not saying send them into the into darkness to get no, trained yeah. or anything. Have the wisdom pull them out of the public schools, but you're training them for a purpose down the road. It was a guy named uh, Judson and he sent the letter. So I'll just read part of it because I pulled it up here. So this is uh, Judson's letter to uh, Mr. Hasseltine, which is his wife's father. He says, I have now to ask you whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure to a heathen land and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? 
Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise, which shall resound to her Savior from heathens saved through her means from eternal woe and despair? Can you consent to this and to our marriage? Man, it's heavy. What do you do when you get that letter for Quinn or Harper? Jeepers, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, you realize that they found a good man, exactly. quite frankly. And that's the right fear of God. He, like, that's right. Not afraid of all, like, well, yeah. how do he listen oceans up? Oceans and despair like, and persecution and, and perhaps a violent death. And yeah, any kind of want and yeah. need, that's the proper fear, right? It's not, I'm just not afraid of the one thing over here. I'm, yeah. I'm not afraid of anything because I understand the one who goes before me is stronger than anything that comes up to me. Yeah. And he's planned this all out. So That's right. I'm immortal until he's done with me and then take me home. That's right. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good place to leave it, I think. Again, just to kind of summarize our big idea, <laughs> when you fear God, it casts out all other fears and all other fears actually distract you from fearing the one who is to be feared. The scriptures constantly call us, fear God, fear God, fear God. In fact, this is the end of Ecclesiastes, right? Solomon, through all of his meanderings and all of his pontification, I love that word, he comes to the end of it and he says, this is the end of the matter, you know, fear God. And I think that's an important thing for us to realize is that, you know, one of the, the most wise men who ever lived in all of his blunders and all of his victories, analyzing his life at the end of it, realized that with the fear of God, you are given the taste buds to enjoy life without the fear of God. As Doug Wilson puts it, you might have a zillion cans of peaches, but no can opener. <laughs> and so fear of God is the thing that, uh, that puts everything into place. And we don't want you. We don't want ourselves. We don't want anybody that we care about paralyzed with the many things that there are to fear. But perfect love casts out all fear. And that means that looks like fearing God. So, all right, we'll, uh, we'll see you all next time.